The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 14, Fantasy of Fire. The temperature had dropped ten degrees in the chamber, and the tribes spent most of their time now huddled close for warmth, shoulder to shoulder, in three small circles. Some fantasized about using the torches to light a fire, but the idea was discarded, since a fire lit for any length of time would kill their air. Kana was still unconscious since the hunter's attack, and she shivered on the cold stone floor, whilst her sisters tried to keep her warm. Perhaps it had not been enough. She was weakening and had been stricken by a blight, a dry cough that rattled in her chest as she drifted. It was getting harder to feed her, and sometimes her body would reject the food. Iona and Paola had been struck as well. Len prayed that the blight might subside, and that the rest of them might be spared. The cleric tried to heal her through bloodletting, which made Kana more pale, and yet there was something about her now that seemed more peaceful. Len said several more prayers over her before declaring that the worst of the malady was out of her now. Her sisters thanked her before also presenting themselves for treatment. They were running low on food and water, but of the two, the lack of water would kill them first, and so all agreed that they must risk a journey to the cavern where the waterfall and the pool of fresh water could be found. Of the elves, three of them were no longer greatly hampered by their wounds, and so Treya offered that a group of her kind could move in the dark silently and without light. Stockholm offered that three in the maze would not be enough, while Amazar and Temek voiced their misgivings about splitting the party. Our lad Solus, said Stockholm, has proven himself in a fight. Take him as well, if you will. Perhaps the Lady Len as well, said Orson, if she would wish to join us. At that moment, Echo locked eyes with Orson, and then Len, and her eyes were like daggers. If she goes, I go. Looking between the elf male and her sister, Len offered silently her assent before dressing in her chainmail for war. Echo went alongside Orson as the others gathered the skins, and she blatantly touched the hilts of the daggers on her hips. You're my partner in the maze, she said, and I'll make sure you do the job out there that you're supposed to do. The elf did not answer, rather chose to smile back, which caused Echo to further narrow her eyes. The girl with the daggers could be seen shortly later, pulling aside Kailana too, saying something roughly to her as the long-haired wizard haunched before her, lowered her head, and nodded. Solus found himself face to face with Len as he went too for his gear. He might have talked about the mission, or he might have offered his gratitude that they would be taking the trek together. 
but following the conversations that had taken place, he averted his eyes from her, passing her on the side, and did not speak to her again that day. Greetings from the maze. It is I, your maze master, Abelenzo. Come quietly, we are being watched. On your guard, travelers of the maze, and gather here quickly. Hopefully, you have arrived before it's too late. Starving in the dark, making scant supplies last as long as they may last, the group has held out as long as it may. Death by dehydration waits for them. There is no chance for them to delay any longer. And though many of their number are fallen, wounded, bleeding, the tribe must send a vanguard from their number into the maze in hopes of finding water before the end comes. Tonight, on episode 14, of the Iron Realm. <laughs> Character Introduction Given very little choice, the tribes of Solus and Bardar have allied themselves with the Elves. Three elves have come tonight. Their summaries. Lilena, fighter wizard, level one. Lilena is a fair-skinned female elf who wears her brown hair in a pixie-cut style. Lilena has a light frame and down-to-earth features. She can often be seen wearing chain and an accompanying waistcoat. On her hips is a belt which holds her sword, and on her back, a quiver. Quiet and reserved, Lilena prefers to watch rather than lead. Even so, her resolve is strong, and she will not back down when faced with adversity. Although proud of her elven heritage, Lilena is curious with regard to the human race. Lilena walks well between the worlds. Kai, elven male, fighter wizard, level one. Kai is a wood elf, aged 311, with white skin, green eyes, and blonde hair. He stands five foot four and weighs 135 pounds. Kai's preferred armor is the elven chain coupled with protective rings. Kai's preferred weapon is the sword. Interested especially in magic, stories, and song, Kai seeks these eagerly in his travels.
Kai believes that such knowledge must be recovered and preserved if the Elvish nation is to rise again, and he is deeply obsessed with every cultural finding he is able to possess. Kai has great pride in his race, though it is perverted to the point of prejudice. Orson, Alvin Male, Fighter Wizard, Level 1. Orson is a wood elf, 284 years old, with white skin, brown eyes, and purple hair. He is 5 foot 6 and weighs 140 pounds. His preferred armor is the rare elven chain. His preferred weapons, sword and bow. Orson is of the stone. Orson is of the earth. He is of the present day, rather than the past or future. Orson is concerned with matters of survival and treats each day as if it is the last. He seeks out the pleasures of the world, whatever they might be, as a way to avoid sinking into the darkness of the eternal maze. Orson has been known to go to great lengths to attain those pleasures, and not all of his choices come from wisdom. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would like to show your appreciation and support new episodes of The Iron Realm, visit patreon.com slash theironrealm and be you rewarded. Finally, tell your friends and spread the word about the world's first play-by-podcast RPG audio drama. Your fellow travelers and your maze master, thank you. From the eternal depths of the Iron Realm. Tribal Matters It is two o'clock on the sixth day of Primaris. In the Moss Lichen Room, on level one of the maze, the group dwells. Forty across, fourteen down, forty-two across, nineteen down. The group has the following spells memorized. Treya, Aura against Evil. Kailana, Invisible Shield. Amazar, Door Denial. Lilena, Sea Magic. Kai, Hovering Disc. Orson, Invisible Shield. The wounded are as follows. Stockholm, 8 life points out of 10. Tanik, 3 out of 6. Kana, negative 1 out of 4. Kai, 2 out of 5. The groups have decided that a vanguard must go into the maze in search of the waterfall cavern. Those chosen for the journey have made peace with their wounds. 
Lilena, Solus, Orison, Len, Treya, and Echo, and as such are most suited to the task. The group passes to them all empty water skins, while Echo takes possession of the unconscious Kana's tinderbox and six torches. The goal is for the vanguard to reach the waterfall, cavern, and return as quickly as possible. Echo also takes Kana's map, whilst Lilena takes charge of the elves' map. In order to draw as little attention as possible, the group decides to travel in darkness, relying upon Echo to light a torch only if necessary. Their progress in the dark shall be helped, since half of the vanguard are elvenkind. The going will be slow, since Solus wears the cumbersome plate mail armor. Under these conditions, it shall be many hours before the vanguard can return, if they return. As the group departs, Amazar goes into position at the door, prepared to use his spell, Door Denial, to block entry by any hostiles. Iona and Paola join their quiet vigil over their sister, whilst the others care for the wounded as they may. It is 2.40 p.m. at location 3113. The group is just rounding the corner headed south, whilst the threat approaches from the north. It is possible that the groups may pass each other unaware in the dark. I shall resolve this possibility with a surprise rule. For the group, they will not be surprised. For the roaming creatures, they shall also not be surprised. This way, whispers Lilena where she has heard the adversaries approaching, and so leads the group through the twisting tunnels in an attempt to evade them. But this is not successful. The heavy footsteps and the grunting sounds from behind alert the group that they are now being tracked. We have to take a stand, says Solus. Echo, we need the light, now. The group is at 2816 when they are approached by hobgoblins. The brutes are large, hairy, and armed with four-inch claws. They shield their eyes disdainfully in the light as Orson attempts to converse with them in their language. There are five of the creatures total, and Orson attempts to appear dangerous in order to dissuade them from attacking. Orson's charisma is a mere seven, and so he has a minus one to this reaction rule. As it turns out, the creatures are not hobgoblins. They are hobgoblins. 
creatures that appear to be hobgoblins and yet have the debilitating touch of ghouls. For using the wrong language, another minus one to the reaction. And another minus one because of the hobgoul's prejudice against all other races. Reaction? The first roll is an eight, the second roll a nine. It is touch and go, as one side makes a threat and then the other. Just as it seems the hobgoul's are about to attack, they, at the last moment, back away, shirking into the darkness. We need to go now, says Solus. It's likely that they'll regroup and try again. This has been a very fortunate result, since the Hobgools severely outclassed the group, each having three times as many life points. And, with their paralyzing touch, the Vanguard may, under other circumstances, very well have met their end. 325 level points go into the pool for the Vanguard. As they reach location 21 across, 11 down, another roaming creature's check. Something is coming from the northern branch of the upcoming crossway. The group, having been silent, hears their approach as well. Echo holds aloft the torch, still lit, while Solus moves to the front in a display of strength. Might be the hobgools again, said Solus. We'll fight if we have to, but I'll scare them off if I can. In a moment, four shaggy creatures arrive. Their fur is orange and brown. They are beastmen. Halt, says Solus. Come no closer. We don't want to fight you, but we will. You seem good to eat says the first beast man. Man flesh. It has been a long time since we've tasted of elf flesh or man flesh. Back off now, says Solus. We're armed. Fortunately, the beast men know the human tongue, and so Solus is not assigned a penalty to his reaction for this. But their race is different, and so this does give a negative one penalty to the reaction rule. Solus has a charisma of 13, which cancels the penalty. And the roll. First a 10, then a 9. Look, says Solus, none of us want to fight. Solus displays his flail in the torchlight, stepping forward tall and strong in his plate armor. He towers over the lead beast man, and Lilena steps forward, following suit with her sword. Get lost, says Solus. There's no meal for you here today. The lead beast man lunges forward for a moment, 
but he is met by the flail. <laughs> the beastmen back off, howling into the tunnels. Let's get out of here, said Solus. We still have a long way to go. 52 level points for the beastmen is dropped into the level point pool. The torch must be attracting creatures, says Solus. Echo, cut the light. Reluctantly, Echo does so, and the group must rely again upon the keen senses of the elves in the dark. Treya gets a glance at Echo's map, finds her bearings, and points the way ahead. Each elf takes the hand of the nearest human in order to pull them along through the dark. If not for the elves, the humans might have soon been lost. For the maze has many twists and turns. Through one corridor, the group is forced to hold their breath, for there is a thick smoke rolling through the tunnels. The group is sweating before they are through, and yet the next corridor presents them with a numbing wind. The group does not delay, but pushes on. They turn the knob and enter the room of the painted totems. They are on their guard, for the smell of fresh blood is in the air. There is nothing in here, says Orson. This way. The group moves to the southern wall, and slender fingers soon find the secret door that they knew before. At last they have reached the final stretch to the westernmost region of level Alpha One. Ever cautious, the group listens carefully at the secret door to the waterfall cavern. Hearing only the sounds of the falls, the group pushes open the false wall and enters. Orson, says Solus, you and I will watch the door. You others, quick, go to work. Solus passes off his empty skins to Lelena, and Orson does the same. The group is quick to fill all their skins, while gladly sating their own thirst. If there were but some fish at this pool, said Orson, perhaps we could make a fine dinner as well. The others fight back their hunger at his suggestion, for the pool appears to have no such life. We have to get back, says Solus. We need to get this water to the others, and we've already encountered creatures twice. It's a long way back. Let's make haste. It is 6.20 when the group leaves the waterfall cavern. They backtrack quickly along the same course that brought them here, knowing that familiar ways will be the fastest. At 9 o'clock p.m., a roaming creature is indicated. The location is 31 across, 16 down. They are within a mere hour's reach of their companions and are becoming fatigued from their forced march. They do not hear the goblins until the creatures are very close. Get ready, says Solus. We're almost back. 
Maybe we can scare these off like the rest and avoid a fight. Echo, the torch. The girl barely has it lit when the goblins arrive. The first two goblins, pale skin and slathering, are armed with a club and a knife. Trae peers into the corridor beyond, and she believes she can count seven of them total. The lead goblin is nearly as tall as Solus, and he barks an order in a language the boy cannot understand. These goblins are hostile, but the fighter stands his ground. You see this flail? says Solus. This flail belonged to your champion, the hunter. We slayed him. We took it from him. I'm warning you. Leave us alone. I've randomly determined that the head goblins have an intelligence of nine between them. Let's see if they recognize the flail, for of course they cannot understand what Solus is saying. They do not remember or have never seen the flail before. Solus is suffering a negative two to his reaction, although, as per his charisma score, that penalty will be offset to negative one. Many tense moments pass. There's a good deal of back and forth and posturing between the tribes. The goblins display their numbers openly and their weapons. Those with Solus do the same. Let's just kill them, says Echo. Let's kill them all and be done with it. Wait, says Solus. Just as it appears, it will come to blows. The goblins, at last, hesitantly retreat. That's it, says Solus. Go back to the hole you came from. Full of adrenaline from the encounter, the vanguard pushes to return to their companions at the Moss Lichen Room. It is 9.40 and they have nearly arrived when they hear the sounds of barking. These are the sounds of kobolds. And as the group moves forward, quietly as they can, they realize that the kobolds have found their vulnerable companions and are poised to strike them at their weakest. We need to catch them unaware, whispers Solus to the others. Ready yourselves and follow me. One, two, three, go! The Iron Round, copyright A. Lenzo, is an extreme reimagining fantasy setting. Today's podcast features selected audio by Kevin McLeod, which can be heard unedited and in full at Incompetech.com. Further information can be found 
under this episode's summary at theironrealm.com and theironrealm.blogspot.com. Treasure Room Solus, Len, Echo, and the Elves have succeeded in their mission of returning with water. They're in for a fine reward for the trials they faced in the field. For the Hobghouls, 325 points. For the Beastmen, 52. For the Goblins, 35. And for the roleplay segment at the start of this episode, 50 level points. 462 level points split six ways grants 77 level points per character. Considering bonuses where applicable, the six end this session with the following level points. Solus, 629. Len, 602. Echo, 603. Treya, 574. Lilena, 195, and Orson, 187 level points. And of course, their greatest treasure acquired, fresh water recovered at great risk, that they and their group may avoid death by thirst, assuming, that is, that they have any chance to return for even as they launch their surprise attack upon the kobolds, Solus and the others do not realize that it is a trap, and another foe, yet hidden, lies in wait to ambush the moment an opportunity arises. Tune in next time to see if they survive or if the fate of a split party is only death. As always, travelers, play hard or go home! Iron Rail! Arm yourself. They're coming.